Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcasts at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric, E-R-I-K, dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. Today on our podcast, we continue our conversation with Bishop Ryan Mackey about worship, about the history of worship, and how we can engage in worship better. If you haven't listened to the other interludes where we've interviewed uh, Bishop Mackey, you should go back and listen because we just jump right into the middle of our conversation. So this is just a continuation of the conversation that we had before. So if you haven't listened to the other interviews, go back and listen to those, and then you'll be caught up with this one. Today we talk about communion, its meaning, uh, some of the, the complexities and the nuances of communion and how we can engage with communion better. Also, if you can go on iTunes and rate and review our podcast, that helps increase our listenership and will help our podcast be successful. Thanks for listening. Let's get growing. So do you think that um, the historical foundations of some of these things... It has an effect on our souls that goes beyond just this is the way that we've done it. This is proper Christian worship that it actually that these things do something to us. Uh So do you think that um, can you elaborate a little bit more on and maybe even specifically with the various elements of a worship service, how the historicity of those things and how the meditation on those different elements actually informs it, it forms us and it disciples us and it draws us closer to god mm. some people may be familiar with this some not uh there's a lot of work that's been done over the last um two or three decades looking at kind of the overall order of worship services um, across a variety of of different denominations and and settings and stuff and a lot of a lot of historians and a lot of scholars will kind of boil it down to a, a fourfold movement. They'll say there's some kind of a, of a time or a rite of gathering the people together. There's a time and a, and a, a section to, to unpack the Word of God and, and to be washed in the water of the Word. You know, whether that's through song, through scripture, through the homily, through the prayers, um, some way, shape, or form. So there's some kind of a response, of a corporate response to what's been heard in the in the section of the word, and then there's some kind of ascending, you know, a, a song, a blessing, a, a benediction, a dismissal uh, of some kind. I think that sacramental action is rather key. Now I will say that this is this is the professor coming out in terms of like learning style and how people deal with things. I'm much more of like an audio person or give me a book, give me a book to read. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, physical movement, not, I'm not saying like working out and stuff like that. However, physical, physical movement in the church or that, those kind of actions wouldn't necessarily, 
it wouldn't have originally been as important to me. But I think that there's something something vital when we recognize that, you know, unless it's for physical reasons or distance or something mm-hmm. like that, you can't physically make it to a church building uh, or to mm-hmm. a local parish, you know, house church or what have you. There's there's something to be said for getting up at, you know, oh, dark 30 on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. you know, getting ready, getting the kids together, you know, mm-hmm. wearing wearing something intentional. I'm saying this is sure. somebody who wears a clerical collar every weekend um, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, there's something about that intent of, OK, I'm getting up. I'm I'm putting or if it's on for Saturday night service, I'm, I'm getting up because I'm going mm-hmm. to this place for the purpose of gathering together with the body of Christ to corporately worship God. Now, mm-hmm. do I believe that my wife and I could accomplish the same thing in our living room on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning? You bet, because I believe mm-hmm. that God is no respecter of persons and that the Holy Spirit will meet us where we are. You know, mm. in the pages of Scripture it says, we're two or three. Well, I mean, there's two of us, so, you know, mm-hmm. we, we got it. However, mm-hmm. there's something to be said for gathering together as the body of Christ. I think it's important that that people know that just because they're not the the person preaching the message or singing the song or leading the prayers, that their presence there is so vital. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. to to bring who you are to gather together, you know, and where you are in terms of where you're at in life this week, where you're at in life today. Did you have a good week? Did you have a bad week? It's not that it's not that we don't care. It's that we need you to be there. Because we need to mm. bear this burden together, or we need to celebrate this joy together. Don't keep it to yourself. You know, if mm. you know, we are the body. Um, it, it's not. You know, it's it's hard to move. I think that that's some people. For some people, that's been used so many times that you know maybe it's maybe it's just Christianese to them, or it kind of falls on sure. on deaf ears, um, so to speak. Uh, but as as somebody who physically stands in front of his own congregation a couple times a week on average, I notice when people aren't there. And after a while, you start to think, well, where's so-and-so? And Mm -hmm. you start asking the other pastoral staff, have you seen so-and-so this week? Do you know what's going on Mm -hmm. with so-and-so? No, I don't. Well, make a call. Go knock on Mm -hmm. their door. You know, do something. We need them back here. Um, To sit together and to, to hear the word. Um. You know, whether, again, whether that's through song. Now, as, as a music teacher, as a musician, that's, that's really a key thing for me. And, and I, I will admit that that's uh, been both a, a point of great joy and a point of great contention with me over the years as I've, mm. you know, sorted through some of the journey that we've talked about already in terms of style mm. and genre and approach and things like that. Um, so whether you're talking about, like, pure scientific data that's shown that, like, People get an endorphin high when they sing, you know, that, mm-hmm. that oxytocin or whatever gets released in the brain um, when they're singing, the, the um, mental shift that happens um, when people are joined together in a single focus or purpose, mm-hmm. such as singing, um, mm-hmm. and simply, you know, lifting one voice, you know, being in one accord before the Lord, whether you are the greatest singer in the world or whether you think you're tone deaf, um, mm-hmm. you know, the the act of joining together to to praise God and to worship God through song, 
I think is, is a beautiful thing. Now, I know that there mm-hmm. are some traditions that, that don't emphasize music, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. There, however, all of those, I think, you know, have some kind of an emphasis on the Word of God and of, of hearing the Word in, um, in fellowship, in community. Um, and having mm-hmm. and having that sense, and I love it when when I go to congregations and it's like a combination of of prayer, of of some kind of a, uh, you know some kind of a song, a, you know, some musical something, mm-hmm. um, maybe a a prayer that's been written specifically or a spoken word that's been written specifically for that Sunday morning or the theme or the readings or what Mm -hmm. have you, you know, there's some kind of an expression from within the congregation. It's always great when it doesn't come from the pastoral staff, when, Mm -hmm. when every bit doesn't come from, from the, from the pastors or from the leadership, that's always a fun moment. Um, and I think it's encouraging for the congregation as well. Um, of course we've mentioned the, the, the response, um, as somebody who leans towards the Eucharist in terms of that preference, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I love that, and yeah. I, I'll I'll say I've I've had the the privilege over the years to be able to uh, lead for different groups of people in different settings. Uh, you know, you and I have experienced that on several occasions together. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the one of the things I try and be aware of is when I when I go forward, if I'm the celebrant, when I go forward, uh, remembering that it's not it's not just me doing the act of lifting the cup and lifting the bread that there's, Mm -hmm. there's people who are the whole congregation is there with me, you know, in that moment I'm Mm -hmm. acting as, you know, whether you want to call it the head or the hands or however you want to couch that. uh, But Mm -hmm. it's all of us together. I've got a couple times. I've even, if it's been a small enough group, you know, like we've, we've gathered around or the communion table or up near the communion table. Um, and so it definitely adds to that communal sense. And uh, the church I grew up in, we pass trays, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, for convenience, that was that was great. And that was the tradition. That was the tradition of the church is that we pass trays. Um, at the Father's house, we have the people come forward and we serve by intinction. And I, yeah. and I think that, again, the physical action part, there's something... Um, something so beautiful about people coming forward to receive. So there's a, there's yeah. an action, you know, we are responding to, and in that case, there's a physical action that happens. And yet mm-hmm. it's coming, coming, responding in order to receive, not coming to mm-hmm. give somebody something, but to, right. to receive once again um, from God. So even in our, even in our giving, you know, the old saying of, well, you can never outgive God. Even in our coming mm-hmm. forward to respond and thinking that we're going to, you know, somehow input, yeah. we are still mm-hmm. being given into uh, ourselves. A- yeah. And then, yeah, I th- go ahead. I think that uh, um, I love, I, I'm a lot like you, so I lean that same way, that I'm a little bit more, uh, I'd probably lean a little bit more traditional yeah, um, and a little bit more high church, uh-huh. even if. I don't completely understand it, yeah. and even if sometimes I get a little, I get a little angsty about <laughs> like leading leading it, you know, um, I I tend towards that. Yeah. But I, to me, the focal point of of the worship service, and and historically in the Christian church, the focal point has been the the Holy Communion, the right. Eucharist, right. that we are invited to the table 
we are invited to to the Lord's table. Jesus is is the host, mm-hmm. and He is welcoming us in, and He is giving Himself to us for our strength, for our benefit, for our healing. Yeah. And here at New Life, we serve two different ways, and we s- kind of switch back and forth. And one way is through intinction, and the other way is through separate elements. Mm. So we and the the intinction we use the unleavened wafers, yeah. you know, kind of those typical wafers with the cross in, on it. Yep. And when we do separate elements, it's a it's a leavened loaf of bread, a big, mm. and, and it's a delicious, it's really delicious bread, homemade <laughs> bread. I prefer um, the unleavened wafers, and for a couple of reasons. Um, one is we have we have the big wafers, the big host mm-hmm. when we when we say the words of institution. Yeah. And so we say in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread mm-hmm. and gave thanks, broke it. And when when we say broke it, we break the the host. Yeah. And we have we have wireless mics on our wireless microphone headsets. Mm. When when I'm doing that or when Pastor Ben, our lead pastor is doing that, our microphone is on and when that host it breaks yeah. it makes an an auditory snap yes. and and it's surprisingly loud yeah. and it hasn't been i i never used wafers before and it wasn't until i was here that we broke that big host that in my mind i it's like i hear bones breaking uh. i hear i hear a body breaking um, when i do that so that's actually like has become a really emotional moment for me yeah. um, to hear that auditory snap when when we break the host the the other thing that i like about the intinction process you know when we talk about physical actions reinforcing and uh-huh. actually teaching us something is that when you dip dip the wafer into the wine um and, and in our context we have uh, our chalices are kind of split down the middle and we have wine and grape juice mm. two different liquids and the grape juice is is white and the wine is red. And when you dip it into the wine and you, you pull the, the host out, yeah. the, the body out, and it's like dripping. Uh-huh. It's dripping with, with blood. It's dripping with red. And then you receive it into your mouth. And to me, like, that is just that, – that must be a learning style, mm. right? I must, yeah. I must have the, the physical learning style because I get, I get a little emotional oh, yeah. whenever I dip or when I see, when I see people dip and, and – and the wine drips off of the the wafer and either onto the carpet or onto the plate or, uh-huh. you know, onto their hand. It's like, I mean, it, it's to me, it's a, just a very visceral, real um, handling of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And, and it's like, it's a wonderfully beautiful, gory um, uh-huh. reception of of a of a great gift. Yeah. And so that's like that's my favorite part of the worship service yes. and i love that we that we do it by intention yeah I, so. I i've got i've got two quick stories i'll tell you on that i had the opportunity when i was doing my first master's degree i got to serve um eucharist at a uh, at a catholic retreat center on a pre-vatican II altar so it was up against the back wall mm, mm-hmm. and so i had to turn my back to the congregation to do all the yeah, elements at orientum at orientum yeah so when when i lifted up the the host 
and I broke it, and it's this beautiful old Rococo-style chapel. Um, mm. When I turned out Orientum, there was a... It was slightly smaller than life-size, so Jesus was probably about maybe four or four and a half feet tall. But mm. it was flesh-colored. I mean, so... Mm. And it had, like, uh, a few drops of blood going down his cheeks and stuff. And so I lift up the host, and and I was obscuring the face of Christ with the host, but when I snapped it, it was the exact same mm. thing. I, I had been using some older, um, I, I had some wafers that had been sitting for a little bit because, you know, it takes a while to get through them. Right. And when I snapped yep. it in that chapel, it, it reverberated through the whole place. And I, wow. had, I had one of the people in the class come to me later and say, when you broke that, it honestly sounded like bones breaking in there and it gave mm. me a chill. And then, mm. and then when I lifted the cup, and I didn't plan this, I just lifted the cup like I would, the cup was was right underneath the chin of Christ, and again, I could see mm. the drops of blood down the face, and it looked like the drops of mm. blood were pouring into the chalice. And I was just like, "Oh, that's that's yeah. such a great that's such a great moment." I'm getting goosebumps now just hearing you tell that story. It, it's it's it, 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 I'll never forget it. And the other thing that that you mentioned and talking about the action and and when I when I first made the statement, I had to I had to unpack it for some people, um, and I'll I'll do that here. But when I would serve. Uh, when we would serve the elements in such a way that we have one minister who um, hands people the host and they go to the next minister who has the chalice. Mm-hmm. And when I when I hand out the host, um, I love looking at, I mean, I, I try and look people in the eye, but I love mm-hmm. looking at their hands when they come to receive. Mm-hmm. And not just the posture of their hands, but their hands themselves. My, yeah. my, my maternal grandfather was a laborer. And so... As a young boy, I remember when he was in his late 70s, early 80s, his hands were scarred mm-hmm. and he was losing, he lost part of one finger doing his work. And just also, I mean, you could see the life that he lived in his hands. And so mm-hmm. I love, mm-hmm. I love seeing people's hands wherever they're at, whether it's a child who's coming forward, whose hands are perfect, whether it's, yeah. you know, a 95 year old grandmother whose hands are arthritic from, you know, raising children and grandchildren mm. and crocheting to the to the day mm-hmm. laborer whose hands are rough and calloused, and to hand mm-hmm. them the host and say, you know, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, and you mm-hmm. know, sometimes you get a smile, sometimes you get an amen, sometimes you get a thank right. you, um, but to to see those hands in their various states and forms receiving uh, mm. I, again, I, I've seen like burly old men just practically come unglued when you place yeah. the host in their hand and and yeah the the action of doing that and the realization of I am receiving a gift that I could never repay you know yeah. you know the the sacrifice of Christ and I'm acknowledging mm-hmm. that once again mm-hmm. this week um, and and mm. throwing myself on the grace of God for another week and another day yeah. and another hour and so on and so forth so that's just that's just one of those little anecdotes that, um, you know, it, it might seem it, it, it was just extremely impactful to me to watch yeah. to watch that and to to have that. Uh, honestly, it kind of impacted my Eucharistic theology a little bit to realize mm-hmm. that the Eucharist isn't something that is it it is it is set apart and it is. Um, has a has a certain place and everything like that, but the Eucharist is for all who would call upon Christ. 
mm-hmm. and Christ came and worked with fishermen and tax collectors and prostitutes and the scum of the earth, as it were. Right. But mm-hmm. but he came and gave of himself. So mm. I get the opportunity, the blessing, really, as mm-hmm. as a minister to be able to week in, week out, minister the body and blood of Christ in, yeah. in the same way to, to my people, to my friends and family. And it's such a joy. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's my favorite part of being a pastor is uh, the the Eucharistic meal. Yeah, um, so that's my favorite part of being a pastor, and probably just just because it's such a rich experience. Um, and I think that people people would really benefit from taking time to meditate on on that, uh, which I guess is is part of the one of the benefits that a practice that the Roman Catholic Church does of adoration. Then um, even if theology might differ in how the the bread and the wine become the body and blood of Jesus, um, we would we would benefit from being quicker to uh, take those things with reverence yeah. and to to ponder on those things. And also just I I like to say that uh Christianity is the most metal religion hmm. because we eat we eat and drink the body and blood <laughs> of our God. And so anybody who says that Christianity is for wimps um, has, just doesn't know what they're talking about. 